0: So um, I just want to introduce everyone to the new series of 230. It is called Winning the Fight: The Flesh versus the Spirit. Today's message, uh, the title is called The Instrumentality of the Spirit. Five pounds for someone who can spell who can spell instrumentality right now. Ah, yeah, look at them. Well done, tech team. Good stuff, good stuff. So yeah, the instrumentality of the spirit. Let's just dive straight into it and we're just going to unpack this completely. I thought it'd be good to really lay a good foundation as the Sundays come and you have more of an understanding and and you know what the challenge is. You know that there is a fight to be won. Amen? So let's just jump into it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. I'm going to read from, I believe it's the, the Berean Standard Bible. Okay, it says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh craves what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not not under the law." Now, everyone knows, well, not everyone, people who are close to me, they know I, I change my favourite Bible translation every two weeks. So I'm going to read it from the, from the West translation. Same, same, same Galatians 5, verse 16 to 18. But it uses a word that touched me and, and hence the title of today's message. But I say, through the instrumentality of the Spirit, habitually order your manner of life, And you will in no wise execute the passionate desire of the evil nature. For the evil nature constantly has a strong desire to suppress the spirit. And the spirit constantly has a strong desire to suppress the evil nature. And these are entrenched in an attitude of mutual opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you desire to do. Praise God. Instrumentality. The meaning of instrumentality is this. It is the fact or quality of serving as an instrument or means to an end. The fact or quality of serving as an instrument or means to an end. You can just call it an agency. The instrumentality of the Spirit, of walking in the Spirit, is the Holy Spirit himself. He is most key. He is the most important person on earth right now to the believer, the Holy Spirit. I thought to myself, I was reading scripture and I thought to myself, I was reading and it said, Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave, I'm going to send another just like me. And I thought to myself, I really thought to myself, I said, Jesus, was that a good idea? Because I've got struggles in my life, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that was a good idea. Maybe you should have stayed, it would have been good for me to see you, touch you, talk to you one on one. And the Lord said to me, no. See, you would say that because that's natural thinking. He said to me, I can walk so deep in his spirit that the Holy Spirit is more real to me than my right hand. And I thought to myself, wow, I've, I've got some time to go then. But be encouraged. Why be encouraged? That means there is more. There is more, no matter how far you've been with the Lord, no matter how old you are, no matter the signs, the wonders that you've seen, no matter matter the revelations that you know, there is more. Amen? So, what's the plan today? This is the plan. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? We're going to find that out. What is the flesh? We're going to find that out. And what can I do to ensure I'm functioning by the Spirit more so than the flesh? Okay, let's get the formal stuff out of the way so I can really give it to you. Amen. We have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they are all trying to push us down and, and, and move us and, and bring us to a place of defeat. However, the Holy Spirit uses grace to add a new law to the way we function as followers of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit uses grace to add a new law to the way we function as followers of Jesus Christ. What is grace? Grace is an overcoming empowerment that provides strength for you in one of the three ways. Way number one, grace strengthens you to be delivered from something. Way number two, grace strengthens you to be moved through a situation. Way number three, strength, um, strength um, grace is, is designed to strengthen you to be changed in the midst of your situation. Think about this. The strength you didn't have initially until the spirit of Jesus Christ joined you on earth to help you lift the weight that was too heavy. In short, grace is for you to do what you could not do by yourself. You may think you're a good mum. You may think you're a good father. You may think you're a good brother, a good sister, a good uncle. You could think that. But no matter how good you think you are, without grace, you're not good enough. So the gap of, to, of where you are and where grace will get you to be is what is needed to change hearts. Let me say it like this. Let's talk to the people over here. Let's wake you guys up. You need God's grace in your life, not just for yourself, but for the people around your world. Without God's grace, the best you can give anyone, your loved ones, your work colleagues, the best you can give is just you. Did you guys hear that? Yes. You heard it, right? Yes. The best you can give is just you. So the question is this, why are you so happy just giving just you? How many people are being dev- de- deprived from the God who's in you? Why are we so happy and at the same time so miserable? I find it hilarious, we know there's more, surely, I mean, I've said this before, there was a five-year-old who came up to me, I'm the children's pastor, and he said, Pastor A, is this it? I said, what do you mean? Is this this all we do as Christians? We come to church. I mean, you're funny, Pastor A, but I need more. I said, wow. Wow. It's true. Did you give your life to Christ, wherever that may have been, so you just came to church? Do you think, the Bible says that Jesus was marred more than any other man. Do you know what that means? I've watched my fair share of violent movies. And the worst beating I've seen a man or woman be filmed to receive, the Bible says Jesus was worse than that. So do you think, He went through all of that for you just to come to church. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Paul says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Man, this verse is loaded. Let me do a few word studies on this. We've touched on grace and we've explained grace to a certain extent. But what's really interesting, it says, My weakness, um, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. So I've done a word study on that word, weakness. And it says this, weakness, want of strength of the soul to restrain corrupt desires. You don't understand. I nearly fell off my my, my chair when I was reading this. Let me break it down. Weakness can be a weakness of the soul. You have a lack of strength to restrain corrupt desires. So then I asked the Lord, so weakness, what does that mean here? What is he talking about here? He said he's talking about the flesh. Remember what Jesus said when he just asked his disciples who has been walking with for three years. He said, I just need you guys to pray. I've got a bit of a situation going on. Just pray for a, for a bit. And I kept on falling asleep. And the Bible says, the Lord says that the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. So check this out. Here's a principle. You have to write this down. It's so important. All sin comes from the flesh, but not all flesh is sin. Okay, let me just give a second just to put that in your head. All sin comes through the flesh, but not all flesh is, is sin. So that basically means this. If you are functioning, if you're in the flesh, you are in a position of weakness. And in that position of weakness, you are susceptible of accepting, believing, desiring something that is not in line with God's will for your life. You're susceptible. And when you accept it, you're deceived. And when you're deceived, the desires that you have are delusional in nature. Let me break that down. What do I mean by delusional? There's two words that I want to touch with you guys. Need and want. When you have a need, it's something that is essential. When you have a want, it's more desirable. So when Christ in your soul or in your awareness, if you don't perceive Christ as the one thing you need, you are automatically going to have deceived desires. You're gonna want things that will complete you that you think that only God actually can. Deception. So why were you deceived? Because you operate from a place of weakness. You accepted something to be true that was not true. Sounds like the Garden of Eden. And it's so funny, you know, I'm telling you guys, working with children is hilarious. Children will say to me, Pastor A, I don't know what God's problem is. He should have chosen me to be Adam and her to, um, and her to be Eve and we would have done right. And I say to them, you are not telling the truth. She's, she, the both of them said, why? Why, Pastor? Why, why are we not telling the truth? I said, have you done wrong today? They said, yes. I said, so you already touched the tree of the knowledge of good and evil today. <laughs> Another word here is, um, in 2 Corinthians 12.9 is power. The, word, the Greek word is dunamis. Check out the definition of this word, dunamis. The power for performing miracles and moral power and excellence of soul. Excellence of soul. So check this out. Let's put these words together and see what Paul's actually talking about here. God's grace that he says for you is sufficient is sufficient because it's loaded with dynamis power. With that power You can do what you couldn't have done by yourself. You have the ability to restrain evil desires from being received and and pursued. You can walk in righteousness. Philippians 4.19, everyone's favourite. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amplified says it like this. It adds two lines, but sounds nice. I can do all things Which he, Jesus, has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. How can you tell me when you're not full of grace that you're not unstoppable? Now, the funny thing is, it's not just about being empowered. It's not just about grace, walking in the Spirit. It's actually walking with the Holy Spirit himself. Very important. The Holy Spirit is like a satnav. Tech team, I'm about to use that video. The Holy Spirit is like a sat-nav. And, and what's really interesting is on Friday, I went out, to buy something for the children's ministry, for the, for the, for the youth who were there. And what was so interesting is that I had to use my sat-nav, on the walking sat-nav. So I was walking, but I, I was walking in the wrong direction. I knew, where I, I knew I had to go in a certain direction, but I never knew I was walking away from that direction. It made sense to me to walk in the direction I was going in. And I thought to myself, wow, How interesting that is, that we can be led, we can think that this way is right for us. We can look at the word and let me tell you the word of God is amazing. But let me tell you this, brothers and sisters, the word of God is full of the laws of God, the 613 laws of Moses, yes, it's full of amazing, perfect principles, yes, yes. But the biggest problem about the principles that the Word of God has is this. In that moment in your life, what is the thing I should do? If the video is ready, let's play it if we can. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit it's supposed to be a personal one. And in a relationship, there's communication. In the communication, it's not just one way, it's two way. You're hearing, you're speaking. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to angle you. You may have the map, but He will tell you the right direction. Now, this is a beautiful thing to really, to really think about and, and, and understand, Why? Because what I'm trying to say is this. Knowing God goes beyond. It goes beyond all that you have known. All that you have known. Oh, let me be careful. I want to say it. Should I say it? I want to say it. Before we knew Christ, we were schooled by the devil. I want to say that again. You may think, oh, Pastor Andrew, that's, that's a bit strong. Think about it. Your unrenewed mind is everything that you believe that is not in line with God's word. You've picked up these beliefs through education, through experience, through judgment, through all of those things. What's so interesting is everyone believes that they are their own fountain of truth. No one believes that they believe a lie. Name me the lie that you believe right now. You don't. You wouldn't know right now that what you believe is a lie until truth comes. Hence the Bible says, renew the mind. Exchange what you think you know and to be true, which is wrong, exchange that with the revelation of the truth of the word that you have received. So the question is, Why are we so happy to function in the ways of the old? Why are we so happy to function in the place of the flesh? The place, remember, the same location where all sin comes from. Why are we so happy to do that? I want to use uh, three people. They, They should be around, floating around. Spirit, soul, and body is such an interesting um, teaching to understand. And the beautiful thing about spirit, soul, and body is that you have to have an understanding of it. So it works a bit like this. Spirit, soul, body. Imagine there's someone here who's the spirit. Imagine someone that's here who's the soul. Imagine that there's someone here who is the body. Now, what's really interesting about the concept of spirit, soul, and body is this. You have to catch this. When the Bible says he will give you a new heart, when you see the word heart in the Bible, it's really talking about the new creation is a heart. It is the combination of the new spirit being that you are and the soul. They come together It's a heart. The issue with the heart is this. Spiritually, you're perfect. Amazing. You can do no wrong. But the reality is you don't function from the place of the spirit all the time. You You can't sin and be walking in the spirit at the same time. Because to walk in the spirit is to worship God. To worship God is to be in love with God. You can't be in love with God if you are not in the love of God. What does that mean? Have you accepted for today God's love for you? Have you accepted for today, irrespective of all the off-key things you have done in the last week, the last month, have you accepted that even though you've done all of those things, he still says you are good? Is he saying your actions were good? No, they were wrong. They were wrong. But what he's trying to say is that there is a division between what you do and who you are. The spirit is your new nature. The flesh for the believer isn't their nature. It is a way, if they choose, to function by. So you still are given a choice. To function by the flesh, even though your nature is not of the flesh, unbelievers. Or to function by the way of the spirit of which you are one in nature with God himself. Think about that. That therefore means the following. God in you is the answer. Opening your heart up to the Lord daily is the one thing you're called to do the Bible calls it waiting on the Lord when you wait on the Lord it's like this imagine you've been criticizing you've been judging people you 've been cussing people out you've you've slept around you've, you've, you've done drugs you've you've not been nice to your family members, whatever that thing is, whatever it is, we love to condemn ourselves. The religious, we can be so religious and the religious are the worst. The religious will say, oh man, that was so wrong, I shouldn't have done that. And they beat themselves up with their words until hopefully in a moment, the beating that they've given themselves is enough to say, I am worthy. You're not worthy because you beat yourself with your words, you're worthy because Jesus says you're worthy and you believed. This is the truth. This is the reality. The question is, is it your reality? So many people say you have to do to to show your love for God, it's a lie. It's a lie. How can you do if you haven't received? The first thing you're called to do is position yourself, wait on the Lord, allow all those condemnations and all those things to fall away. And as you wait on the Lord, as you look into his word, as you remind yourself of of what the living word, Jesus Christ himself, done for you, there'll be a moment when you realise that these aren't just words, they are words full of mercy and hope. And there'll be a moment where it will humble you. And in the position of humility, oh, the position of humility is the perfect position to start walking by the power of grace and with the goodness of the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, you're always going to have an option as believers. To function by the spirit or to function by the flesh. If you function by the flesh, please know this. Don't condemn yourself because of the behaviour. That's a lie. Sin is more than just behaviour. Sin is a false perception. And from that false perception, which produces a false identity, it produces a false perspective, it produces a false sets of principles and values. From there, your life just is full of sin. But we focus on the end result, on the action. But if you lead back to the action, you realize that I sinned because I forgot who I was. Stop functioning in the false identity. Realize, and don't, and don't, listen, don't be fooled by the, the by the religion. And someone, you know, says, you know, discipline, discipline. It's not discipline that kills the flesh, it's the love of God that kills the flesh. So the question is, are you going to discipline yourself significantly and consistently enough for you to receive the love of God daily? And it is in the awareness of God's love for you that you realise how valuable He is, you realise how amazing you are because of what He's done and from that understanding that He loves you, you're in love with God and from that place you love people. and that is all he wants us to do and now with that you can understand the significance of john 3:16 for god so loved the world why so all those who are in the world who knew him could stop acting in the flesh and realize his brilliant and outrageous love for them and from that place show the world not only that god loves them but god is alive amen